Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on planettyro.com. I'm your host, as always, Donald Wanda, and I'm joined by the master of none, Simon Red. It's called Jack of All Trades, Master of None. And, just, uh, no, no, I don't know how just, to... just master of none. Just master of none. <laughs> For you, just master of none. Master of your sister, yeah, uh, whatever. I'll just have to edit that out with something else, you motherfucker. Guys, if you... <laughs> and you know she sees she's going to actually kill you, by the way. She's not a very forgiving person, so you just... I might leave that in. That's your own karma. So, guys, anyway, <laughs> before me and Simon have a back and forth, because you never know, we might get into a back and forth with this discussion. We are working our way through the retrospective, man. We're on our last little leg of the filmography of Woody Allen. Last time, we actually took a sidestep and spoke about the very, very well-received and very well documented documentary done by robert yd which was american master special woody allen a documentary it was done in 2012 it's a two hour or four hour cut and it's a very enjoyable documentary highly recommended it for the fans and non-fans if you want to hear us talk about it if you're on youtube i'll put a link in the top right hand corner go back and listen to that discussion as well as every other woody allen movie made prior to 2012 that is over 40 videos we have on Woody Allen. Very close to 50, guys. He's actually reaching the point in his career. He's getting to his 50th movie anniversary. We all hope he lives that long. Or maybe some people in Hollywood wish he dies. But guys, <laughs> this this discussion, before I even get into all this other stuff, we're going to cover a lot in this discussion. Because at the time of this recording, we're just coming back from 2017 and return. A lot of shit has happened. The Me Too movement has now turned into the Time's Up movement and there's a, a new backlash of Woody Allen as it always is. Guys, check out all the other stuff we've done on Woody Allen. All these discussions are spoiler discussions. Today we've got a two-for-one movie review because we are also going to talk about not only To Rome With Love, but we're also going to talk about another sidestep movie that I am going to talk about myself, which is called Paris to Manhattan, which I believe was done in the same year, 2020. 2013 2012 whatever and it's not worth doing his own video for i told simon not to watch it so me and him are just going to talk about to run with love then i'm going to talk about paris manhattan but as always for those of you who don't know what to run with love is about and you don't care about spoilers we're going to get into it and simon red is going to give us the little rundown of what it's about and i'm sure it's going to have a interesting time discussing what this movie is about since there's a lot going on simon tell us what to run with love is about if you don't mind it's about Rome, motherfucker. What did you think? All right. In a little bit more detail, like you mentioned before, this is the same year where everything else happened. So this is the follow-up year to Midnight in Paris, 2012. Midnight in Paris ignited Woody Allen's career again in terms of commercial success, new set of fans, people anticipating the next film. And in my personal opinion, just from the title, you can tell that the studios thought, okay, this whole city thing is like his new niche. Yeah. You know, said the story around the European city. It's like a vacation movie on American in Europe in like a beautiful, legendary city with Just so like much Barcelona. mystery and romance. They went to Barcelona yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. That was his biggest hit before Midnight in Paris. So they're like, okay, we're onto something here. Yep. yep. And uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but this movie, it did very well. It was a commercial success. Yep. I think it it would cost 15, 16 million, grossed over 70 million just when it opened in 2012. So compared to what it cost, it did well enough. But it received mixed reviews and mixed reception. And because in typical Woody Allen fashion, this movie is another follow-up to the great movie that he always does, where he follows up a terrific movie with a script he probably had shelved for a couple of years and didn't know what to do with. Or in this case, I think at least four different ideas. In the documentary, we saw that he has a shoebox filled with, with uh, notes <laughs> of yeah. film ideas. Yeah. And then he sometimes goes through them and randomly picks one he finds interesting that day. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe he was a little bit tired or hung over or something and accidentally picked up four and just stitched together and called it one, one script. I agree. Because... If you ever see the movie, this is a collection of uh, four stories that don't really intertwine. They just all take place in Rome, and they don't follow the same timeline. By the way, they're all going on. They all they're all no, different no, lengths. No, no, no. And, and they they're all. I think that's the biggest compliment I can give the film is that they're all very solid ideas 
Woody Allen could make a whole movie out of each every single one of them. But I think because he felt none of them are strong enough on their own, he just stitched it together because he could make the movie in Rome because the studio wanted another location-based movie. The first storyline, which he's a part of, is a story of Haley. Haley's played by Elson Phil, who was in the newsroom, and uh, Scott Pilgrim as well. Uh, she's a good actress. I look forward to seeing her in any projects she tackles. She's fine here. She plays Woody Allen's daughter, who's on vacation in Rome and falls in love with a local fella, uh, Italian guy. I think his name is Michelangelo or something like that. And basically, the relationship gets serious quick. So Woody Allen and his wife, I think by Judy Davis. Correct. They fly to Rome to meet the guy's family and to really just get all the introductions out of the way since I the think relationship they were so... engaged as they were getting engaged that's another reason why they... yeah they were engaged in the movie that's why Woody Allen's flying over which he didn't want to do his character but yeah yeah but it, it, it's it's a red herring storyline because yep. it quickly gets sidetracked with the fact that Woody Allen's character is getting older and like his wife explains he equates retiring with death and he used to be um he used to conduct, uh, I think, theater and opera or musicals as well. And he had some questionable critical reception, which, again, you know, Woody Allen basically playing himself. Yep. I mean, he plays an artist who considers himself ahead of his time, who gets mixed critical reception towards his work. I don't know. Maybe that's just a wild original idea he popped into his head and it's just by accident it's not based on Woody Allen you need to get over this yeah exactly 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 it's just it's just by accident that it's similar it's probably has nothing to do with it but basically the humorous twist is that Michelangelo's Mickey's I just call him Mickey his father basically sings in the shower and the guy has like this terrific voice like uh, an amazing voice, a voice meant for theater. And Woody Allen's like, this guy's really talented, but he spends the day cremating people. So he's basically in the wrong profession. And he gets rejuvenated and says, hey, I want to help you. I want to direct you. I want to sponsor you, mentor you. I want to give you a shot. Let's audition. I have a few friends in town. But of course, the family is uh, against it. And they're like, oh, we're... We're just basically, we enjoy life, the simple life. We don't want money. We don't want fame. And that's a bit of a, I wouldn't say a big center theme of the movie, but it appears in the other storylines as well. The second one being uh, Leopold's story, who's an average Italian guy. That whole storyline is in subtitles. So I guess that's another reason why probably in America people hated this movie. because yeah, half the movie is in the Italian. Half the movie is yeah. Big shocker, a movie set in Rome with Italians is an Italian. You know, prepare yourself. Oh my God, you got to read a bit. Or you could just learn the language and listen to the movie without a problem. But anyway. Fun fact, before you move on, can you remember the last movie Woody Allen did that was in subtitles? Because there's one movie he did where, again, it was just a segment though. And I think it was Italian as well. I, I remember it was everything you wanted to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask. Exactly, correct. A long time ago with Woody Allen, you know, so I know you're hitting on people for being lazy and all that stuff, but half the movie's in Italian, so I was kind of like, eh, Woody, you're kind of throwing people another curveball with this one, but continue. I just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, I think it's, uh, I think sometimes he thinks too highly of his fans. Sorry, his audience, yeah, not his fans. I, I think you're probably right, but, you know, it's fun to see Italian actors on screen because they sure. have a unique way of performing. And of course, doing it in their native language sure. strengthens the performance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Leopold's story is super straightforward. He has his uh, Stardust Memories moment where his life turns into basically a weird dream. He's a very average middle class guy, has a boring job, drives a boring Fiat, lives in a boring house with a boring family. And the highlight of his day is this really beautiful <laughs> female colleague, you know, that uh, everybody's gushing over in the office. So very standard. But then he turns into an overnight celebrity and he doesn't understand why. And it's basically a, a, a big joke about how ridiculous the media especially gossip columns and gossip reporting is. And even reality shows as well. 
And even reality shows, when you take it out of context, so instead of admiring somebody we're conditioned to admire, like, you know, an actor or singer or something like that, they admire this guy and they report on every detail of his life. And that's when you realize how stupid it is. Like they're sitting with him in the bathroom while he's shaving. He's like, we're live right here. Every single shave. Every single dip, you won't miss a thing. I think that's called <laughs> the big, guys. I think that's called Big Brother. <laughs> Pretty sure that's called Big Brother, actually. Yeah, and, and this guy Leopold, you know, he goes through all the phases. At first, he's like, "What the hell is going on?" Then he starts enjoying the benefits. Then he starts missing his family. So, pretty straightforward kind of nightmare. Another Stardust memory scenario critique about fame. That's the second. Go to the third one because I got to speed this long because we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> that's the third part of the movie. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, I thought, find the movie predictable. So once we get through this, yeah. that's pretty much it. Antonio's story is the next one, which is my favorite one because of one very special actress. If you don't know what Antonio's story is about, Antonio, another Italian storyline, it, it's lifted from a, a classic movie that you can look it up if you ambitious enough because I can't be bothered right now. I'll maybe mention it later. Okay. But he and his wife travel to Rome to get introductions with Antonio's family to make it big. So again, this is a reoccurring theme of kind of uh, accomplishments in life and uh, fame to a certain extent. He wants to hang with the big shots and is hoping that his extended family can introduce him. But his wife goes missing, loses her phone, and gets picked up by an actor who she idolizes. And in the meantime, while Antonio is preparing for the big meeting and is waiting his wife's return, gets a knock on the door and suddenly there's Penelope Cruz looking absolutely freaking gorgeous. I mean, Woody Allen has a way of, you know, directing her and picking the right costumes for her characters. Directing her. She directed herself in that costume and obviously she's oh, playing... That's, mas- that's, that's masterful directing right there. That, it that's is, a, it that's is. A, that's the, a pen stroke of a master right there. Now, she plays a prostitute, but favorite character in the movie and instantly because... The story is that everything at Rome is like a situation, like a story. And this little mix-up right here is that it's while... It's pretty good. It's, pre- it's pretty good. While his wife is uh, having this celebrity moment with this famous actor, this escort played by... Um, Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz gets sent to the wrong, uh, wrong hotel room. Her name is Anna. And Anna is basically fully paid to be a present for some guy waiting in a different hotel room but he she ends up with antonio and they end up on the bed and he's very reluctant to do anything which i don't understand why because honestly in that situation you owe it to your girlfriend to sleep with her and uh, let me explain why don't let's get to that later (laughs) no 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 no. because this is see if that was me one hand would be on her hip and with the other hand i would be already changing the locks on the door (laughs) <laughs> but, but basically what I'm trying to say is that you don't want to put the mental pressure on your relationship for missing out on that opportunity. It's like if you were given the opportunity by a college roommate because you saved his life when you were young and he became an astronaut and he's like, I can reward you by taking you to the moon, but it's on Valentine's Day. You don't have to, you don't have to justify this because Woody Allen actually justifies this for you because the theme, his wife is put in that exact scenario with her actor friend and she says out aloud everything you're saying right now. She actually justifies her cheating with the guy anyway. So you don't even have to justify because Woody Allen does it for you anyway, which I think is a good part of the movie. But Short version, she's freaking gorgeous. It's hilarious to see her interact with the old conservative relatives. Because she's talking about her druggy dad and her t- upbringing and try to keep this scam going. And let me tell you this. You mentioned subtitles. I think it really worked for that segment because in terms of Woody Allen personas, that Italian actor who played uh, Antonio, I believe his name is Alessandro Tiberi. Yeah. He nailed it. He did. Because he's naturally so meek and kind of nervous that it really worked it didn't come off as corny or forced I well really let me enjoyed- let me let me jump in there because i completely agree with you and i'm not gonna bring this up again so i might say it now i completely agree with you but here's the thing actually let me correct myself when we spoke about vicky christina barcelona Penelope Cruz and uh, javier badem were speaking fluent spanish in that movie and it worked there perfectly and again it all depends on the actors and 
these two with this segment it works perfectly with the guy before with the story of the unusual everyman celebrity it wasn't needed it was too slapstick and for that it just it added another half another quarter of italian to the movie where it just didn't need it for such a simple story but here i'll completely agree with you it works perfectly with the stuck-up parents with the it, it is it's a joy it's actually a joy to actually read that in italian so i'm 100 agree with you there and i think you already kind of mentioned the biggest fault of the movie that on top of all this we have another storyline that could be its own film and that's yeah. the big one technically it has the biggest names at the time yeah has alec baldwin Jesse Eisenberg, Alan Page, and some chick named uh, Greta Gerwig. Gerwig. Yeah. Whatever. We'll get to her later for different reasons. But that's the big story here. That is Alec Baldwin revisiting his youth in Rome. He's there with his beautiful wife talking about how he spent a year there as a student. And they, the movie doesn't hide it, that this is another uh, kind of mentor scenario but in like an abstract way where it's almost like a fantasy or a daydream similar to uh played against sam it's the reverse of that his character is playing it's better the supporting he's the against you know supporting character so i actually love yeah. that and alec Baldwin is my favorite character's movie it's it's a very good dynamic and it's very interesting because when woody Allen did alice you know yeah Gosh, 22 uh, years before this movie. <laughs> Holy what a damn. waste of talent. And to be honest with you, yeah. even though Alec Baldwin is my favorite character's movie because he's so fucking funny, he's underused even here. And he has more screen time than Alice, but he's underused again. A, a bit underused. And I was worried because in the first scene they shot, I assume they shot that scene first because his introduction scene wasn't all that good. No, it wasn't. Suddenly when the Jesse Eisenberg storyline comes in where you're yeah. like, okay, how do these guys get along so well, so quick? And you kind of see the fantasy elements immediately kick in, just yeah. like played against Sam, where yeah. Woody Allen's character is being mentored by a imaginary uh, Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Here, Alec Baldwin becomes that imaginary mentor, Yeah. where technically he's living out, spoiler alert, his own fantasy or his own memories again. Yeah, he's talking, talking to, to a younger young, version of himself. Younger exactly. version of himself. Yeah. Warning he's him brilliant. of his doom yeah. and demise. And yeah. look, let's, we need to get into this movie because you've done all yeah, the synopsis. Yeah. So let's just... Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's done. But, you know, if you haven't guessed it, you're like, what can be this doom and demise with Jesse Eisenberg and two women? Where you guessed it. He's living there with his girlfriend and Alan Page comes in as the best friend of the girlfriend and she's a troubled actress and she's very sexy and flirtatious and you know where this is going yeah it's you've woody allen's done this this segment the alec baldwin jesse Eisenberg segment woody allen's done this movie four or five times the, and this movie another trope in the romantic comedy drama that's done to death let me tell you something this movie like you said financially it was successful but it's got one of the worst word of mouths in woody allen's filmography i remember it being horrible me watching it now, it's a lot better than I remember. It's not a bad movie, but I'm actually going to call this movie experimental just because Woody Allen falls way too much to this movie. This movie could have been about two of these stories alone and it would have been better. The movie, obviously, even one of these, that the Alec Baldwin one could have been this old movie. Uh, look, the movie is fine, but the reason why the movie doesn't work for me personally on a whole, I think it's a very passable movie. That's the biggest criticism I have. The movie doesn't work because Woody Allen's comedies are just always fated to not be received well. On top of that, it's a it's a Woody Allen comedy set in another country. People like romance and drama when he's on this European tour. They don't want to see a comedy. They don't like his comedies in America. And then when he's bringing this, let's go back to the, the singing man thing, which honestly is probably one of the funniest elements because it's a very weird concept. Oh, this guy can only sing in the shower, and even the, the you know the pivotal scene where Woody Allen's like, no nah, man, I gotta take you to a guy. So the guy follows Woody Allen. He takes him to an audition, and he does like very mediocre. And and he's like, oh, it just didn't work. Then he realizes that he literally, literally can only sing well in the shower. So Woody Allen literally bases his whole craft for promoting this guy under that guise. And one of the best parts about the movie is it takes the joke to a 10 because they put on this massive production he's like they put him yeah, in a play a classic opera. production as well uh pigla uh 
Pagliacci. I probably butchered that name, but I actually saw it in the theater. It's a classic, uh, classic, classic one. You classic high piece. class motherfucker, piece of shit. I hate you, Simon. <laughs> Yo, but, I, I actually—that's that, one of my favorite things about the movie that it's set in Rome because I've been to Rome and I love that city. I want to go back soon. So, right, you Simon, know, to me, it was you. a trip down memory lane. Yeah, humble, humble, days. fucking brag, humble brag, Simon. Brad, fuck you. I like the fact Woody Allen. He took that joke. To an extreme, no one would, and it was so funny. Seeing the guy in, I'm actually watching this thinking, this is so ridiculous, but that is so funny. And I loved Woody Allen for taking that joke there, but that could have been his own movie. And then you got to watch this other guy who just becomes a celebrity. And I was just like, it's, this is an experiment. Again, it's like Melinda and Melinda where he's trying something. Yes. Theoretically, theoretically, I can't even say the word. It works in, in theory. But when you execute it, it's just too much for this movie. And I could just see people being bored by it. But the, the, the good thing is you get a lot with this movie. You do get a lot of... You get your bang for your buck. If I went to the, movie, if I went to the movies and saw this, I'd be like, well, that was long, but I saw a lot. But in the guise of his retrospective, it just comes off as an experiment. The actors do well. The stories are somewhat fun. And every, every segment is pretty good. But it's just too long. The comedy doesn't really lend itself well because it's unbalanced one super zany one with the two the married couple that's split off into their own adventures is very something and then the romantic comedy with jesse eyes i can't even believe how much he squashed this movie and that's the biggest criticism and it's a long ass movie so when you know you're coming from woody allen executing simple majestic movies like midnight in paris which is just a very simple story but it got it's it's still complicated in theory but it's so elegant and done so well but then you got him throwing all these ideas at the wall like you said in the beginning and i can understand why people just don't like the movie because it's, it's just it's just too much but it's not a bad movie it just isn't but it just he just threw too much at it here's the thing uh the movie was unfairly judged because a lot of people you know became fans of woody allen because of midnight in paris a big part of that movie's success was that in 2011, we already have the age of the internet. So movie fans, movie geeks, movie buffs, people who just love film have this new outlet of the different seasons of film. And Oscar season became really big in terms of that's when a lot of good quality movies come out. And that's even true today. That trend continues where, I mean, you could disagree with Oscar lists. I mean, I don't always agree with what they put out for nominations but if you think of something that's outside of the realm of a big budget franchise movie it seems like every summer movie is now tied into a sequel or a remake it's very unoriginal if you're looking for something that's an interesting new idea you gotta go the oscar season because even if the movie doesn't get a nom that's when they put it out anyway in hope of getting a nomination so this movie had a, a big audience waiting because of Midnight in Paris. But a lot of those people, they may have watched the highlights of Woody Allen's career, you know, Annie Hall and Manhattan yeah. after Midnight in Paris, but they didn't watch 40 movies like we just did. Yeah. So they don't know that every time he has a home run, he goes into, you know, hibernation or autopilot and grabs one of his more... I don't want to say lesser ideas, but one of his more experimental ideas yeah. or one of the scripts that he just put on the shelf, like, okay, maybe I'll go get back to this one day. Then he does that movie because he can, because he can get away with it because people wait for it because it was a huge success. The studio wants another film. They're like, oh, you're making another one next year? Great. We love that. Let's keep the, you know, let's uh, hit the iron while it's hot. And... Most audiences didn't know what to expect. But to be honest with you, when it comes to these Woody Allen uh, in-between films, this is one of the better ones. I thought... Yeah, agreed. The cast cast was terrific. The acting was great. I'll take this any day over you will meet a tall, dark stranger. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's too long, and there's too much going on. It's unbalanced. And I think like Penelope Cruz is so great in the movie that her segment, she can could carry that into a whole film. The Alec Baldwin segment is an interesting idea, even though it's a very similar setup to something else and Anything Melinda, else. Melinda, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already forgetting that movie, but uh, that film and uh, Melinda, Melinda, 
still, you know, maybe that could be expanded. I'm not sh- sure about the the opera singer segment just nah, because nah. It, it was it, only it, great because he pushed the joke to the extreme and showed you yeah. that. And even that, and the thing that it was look, I got to commend two scenes. First of all, two segments. The reason why that segment was so great was not only did he push it to the extreme, he actually ran with it and he showed it. But even after that, and after that was a success and it was over, he actually made a meta where the critics was like, that was good, but the guy who came up with this idea is a fucking imbecile. And then Woody, <laughs> yeah. Woody Allen reads it like, imbecile, imbecile. Hmm, that, that must be, I mean, he even parried this himself. I mean, that was the icing on the cake to that whole joke. I'm like, you know what? That made the whole segment worth it because it didn't make that whole ludicrous idea out to be just some kind of spell everyone fell for. People knew it was ridiculous, but they understood that he could he could only sing under certain condition, but it was a ridiculous concept and everyone knew it and Woody Allen got shit for it. And that's what made that, it actually validated that whole segment for me because usually they'll just play it off like they don't even see the guys in the shower. They would just be like, he's a great singer, you know, the end. But no, this was fucking stupid. You know, that's what I like. They're like, no, this was a fucking stupid idea. The guy who came up with it as a fucking hack. And obviously the Iceland Kings were like, hey, they love me. Because I don't know what fucking imbecile means. To me, it's like a meta joke that Woody Allen's like, I don't really give a fuck if you call me an idiot. Because obviously he knows whether you like movies or don't. To him, it's like, I'm going to play dumb. But really, I don't give a fuck. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but... Criticizing yeah. the segment, it does, it's not enough. To, it's not a great segment, but he, the way he made that joke work is extremely commendable. And, and I guess that's another praise for the movie that it, it is. Put all these ideas mesh together. It's uh, diverse. Like I didn't like that segment as much as you did. I preferred the the Alec Baldwin segment and the 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 Antonio segment. Let I me believe. let me sorry to, let me talk about that, uh, the um, Alec Baldwin segment because I have to. That segment would have been garbage if it was about Alec Baldwin. His interjections are so funny. He reminds me of you. He was, not only was he being negative, <laughs> he was, and the funny thing about it, it was so meta because he'll be like, this fucking bitch, she thinks she's so smart. And then she'll be like, hey, just leave him alone. It's like you. And he was insulting her and she was even aware and it, it, it reminded me of you. I'm like, I could have watched a whole movie of this guy it was great. I was like, this is the opposite of Play Against Sam. And I, I actually could have watched a whole movie of Alec Baldwin berating Jesse Eisenberg. Falling in love. Like, he always is stupid. Because to me, it's kind of a pessimistic take on the traditional rom-com. Instead of Humphrey Bogart talking you in how to be the Mac, you got a guy telling you how you're a fucking idiot and it's going to fail. <laughs> and I think that would have made a great movie. Don't get me wrong. The novelty probably would have played off after an hour. But I could have watched more of that. Alec Baldwin, if it wasn't Alec Baldwin, and that whole tree, threesome story was horrible. It was done to death. It was horrible. And if it wasn't for Alec Baldwin, I would have hated it. Because Jesse Eisenberg is a wash. We'll get to Ellen Page and Greta, because these two. The actresses are just yeah. mediocre anyway, and they're not super attractive. I find them to be very both mediocre as that, anyway. That was, a, that was actually very... Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's the same thing as anything else, right? I got the title right this yeah. time. Is the same criticism I have, where they introduce this actress character, like the friend who's gonna, who the 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 protagonist is gonna fall for, fall madly in love with, like this fame fatale, and she really freaking isn't. No. I'm like, she's super annoying. She's super selfish. And she's, she's a fucking poser. Defending. She's a fucking hipster. And Dalek Bowen calls uh, her on uh, her shit. <laughs> and I'm like, she has nothing to carry it. She no. has no you know qualities in terms of appearance in terms of personality like yeah. i just don't understand how this person is supposed to be so exciting and sexy and fascinating and i don't see any of it like really couldn't you get i don't know anybody else like if if, if scarlett johansson was playing that character i'm like okay that would have been overkill they didn't even need that would have been I, super she didn't need to actually could have just been there and well, that well, won. Well, they, they could have dressed scarlett johansson down you know like gave her a different haircut different outfits you know like Make her be the great actress she is, downplaying herself as that character. I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. It. I didn't believe. I don't. I didn't believe she was that seductive at all. She just seemed like a waste of time. 
where I was like, how is this fucking fool falling for this? And Alec Baldwin was berating him in exactly the right way. Even though he knew the future, obviously, he knew where it was going. So he had, obviously, it's kind of, you can't give him that much hope because he, he just knew what was going. He fell for this shit. That's why he's being so hostile. He, he was talking to himself, you yeah. know, after all. Yeah. But it was great to see. But to be honest with you, I don't want to give it too much props because it's just Alec Baldwin and his delivery made it great. It could have been another actor. And I don't think they would have made it. It's just Alec Baldwin as an actor. And obviously, because he's done Trump so much in SNL, I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> help but not see that. It's so funny. <laughs> I actually wish it was Trump, you fool. You know, I could have loved that too, but that's going completely off topic. That's, that's a good. horror movie where your love life gets invaded by President Trump. He's just like, grab her by the pussy. Do it. She's not good. She's not good, you know. She's just not good for you. <laughs> Not good. He's like, I have the greatest opinion of love. Nobody knows as much about love as I do. Nobody. Believe me. Yeah, believe me. <laughs> She's rubbish. She'll tear your heart and throw it away. She's not worth it. Put it behind the wall. Just put her away. Go <laughs> Build a wall against ugly women. That's what I say. Make it great again. Okay, we're going over time in this review. The movie is actually... In, I just think this is a Woody yeah, Allen movie just, for the to, fans. Just to cap it off. Yeah. Just to cap it off from my end. I think you, when you said Alec Baldwin made th that segment, same thing with Penelope Cruz. And that's yes. a good and a bad thing that their respective performances are so good. You want to see a whole movie about it, but the yeah. story is not strong enough. And no. it has been done before by yeah. Woody. Yeah. So I think that's why it has been stitched together. But every time it gets good, it leaves you wanting to see more. Then we cut away and it gets more dull and you lose interest. When Penelope Cruz was getting this guy to come out of his shell and making a man out of him and be like, hey, take your pants off. Let's let's have sex. This guy was like, oh, I'm not sure if I could do it. I'm like, you wimp. The fact he did it really helped because if he didn't do it, I would have hated the whole segment because I wouldn't have believed it for shit. But the fact he did it was good. And I just loved She was a, she was marvelous in the role. She was marvelous in the oh, role. Yeah. And look, man. I would say, I said this before, there's a lot of Woody Allen films I'm like, don't watch this, don't watch this. This movie, for me, is for the fans. If you're a Woody Allen fan, watch the movie. I wouldn't actually recommend this to the public for just anybody because it's too long. And he's done each segment as a movie and I don't think you're getting anything great. But if you... It's a nice experiment movie for Woody Allen fans, but I would say skip it if you're a Woody Allen casual. And I know we spent a lot of time talking about the movie because there's, there's a lot going on in the movie. But in terms of his movie lols going down the movie, as you said, this is not even close. This isn't even a real lol to me. That's a f I could have, I could have done with another bad movie after this, and then I would have been upset. I wasn't upset after this movie. I was just like, that actually wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It doesn't have the rap. But I will, I will say this though. Romans are pissed about this movie. Do you know why? Um, not enough spaghetti in the movie. Well, the movie kind of goes on stereotypes. A lot of city stereotypes. It's very goofy. And Paris got this majestic love letter movie. And people saw this movie, Romans, and they're like, this isn't a representation of Rome. They just, they didn't like that. He, he didn't dramatize and romanticize. I'm basing this off the reviews I read. I'm not just making this shit. I read reviews, people were like, <laughs> this isn't a good representation of Rome. The movie stops with some narrator, like, he's going to tell you a story. He disappears and comes at the end. You don't get, you see a lot of Rome, but it's not guided visually like Midnight in Paris or Vicky Christina Barcelona's done. People wanted another high quality Oscar movie. And this is a more laxed experimental comedy. So yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you don't feel like you're lounging around the country like you did in those other European movies. This just feels like a comedy set in Rome. And he didn't <laughs> do anything with the Vatican. He was right next to it. You know, an atheist too. Simon, he didn't, he didn't do a lot of, a lot of Rome. People were, Romans are very upset because obviously they were like, oh, what is coming shooting in Rome? They had high hopes. This was gonna. They called Paris the city of lights, but they called Rome the city of love. Or, uh, they were another term for Rome. Love. Yeah, this is, city of romance. Yeah, city of romance. And this movie doesn't have a lot of romance. It has romantic elements. Yo, just rewatch Roman Holiday. Yeah, seriously, like <laughs> that's movies are classic. Just now watch you're movie. talking about a real fucking classic. We, I think we spoke about that on uh, our film the while. Me and Mampus spoke about it. Anyway, we spoke long enough about this movie, guys. Watch it at your own discretion. Let us know what you think of the movie. But I've got to move on to another movie that I watched on my own. 
Which boy, we we it's supposed we... to be a tie-in to this, right? It's supposed to be a tie-in, but then you realize that it was just bullshit. Man, you you did not watch this movie. I'm about to talk about, right? You didn't even you didn't because I told you not to, right? Just no. the okay. No. The movie is called Paris Manhattan, and the reason why I added this in the filmography is Woody Allen is in this movie, and the cover it's about a woman who's obsessed with Woody Allen. And I was very interested because it was shot at the time in between Midnight in Paris and This Rome with Love. So I thought Woody Allen would have had a, a, a bigger hand in this movie. And this is just a weird movie where this woman, I'll give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think. Well, obviously I don't really like it, but this woman, she's <laughs> a young French woman and she's obsessed with Woody Allen. A lot like when we spoke about a burn, burn yeah, actually we spoke about Burning Alley, another love letter to Woody Allen but the one of the criticisms we had against that movie is that that guy only focused on Annie Hall. This woman, she focuses on his a lot of Woody Allen's other films. I like that. I was like, okay, where are we gonna go with this? And this is a female as well, so I'm like, okay, a female Woody Allen fan. This is the movie wrapped around her. What's it gonna be like? This is a woman looking for love. She's very cynical. When the movie starts, her sister steals the only man who was truly in love with her, and then the movie skips ten years. Which is weird. It starts when she's a teenager, like just leaving university. And then she's 29 and she's looking after the family business and she's so cynical. Now, here's the thing. The movie is 90... 90... Oh, know. sorry. Sorry, sorry. I was falling asleep. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It was, you're saying a boring woman with boring life has boring problems. Now, she's got a big post of Woody Allen and every day that Woody Allen posts on speaking to her, He's saying all these quotes to her. Obviously, it's Woody Allen voicing these quotes as well. And I thought that she was taking the segments from the movie, like someone, the director's, but no, you can tell this is the older Woody Allen just saying his quotes. I'm like, why is Woody Allen participating in this movie? Either when he's doing a sidestep movie and he's in it, he's either in it or he's not. But this time, he's stepping his feet in, which is perfect anyway. So all through the movie, she's always referring to Woody Allen, all these famous quotes. The number one distracting thing about the movie is that it's all in French, but Woody Allen's quotes are in English. And it's very distracting. It, 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 it really did disturb me because I'm like, Woody Allen is an American director. All these movies are in English. You're doing it all to Woody Allen. Why is it not in English? He's in English. He comes in the movie at the end. <laughs> the guy, she always wants to meet Woody Allen. And one of her love interests meets Woody Allen. And then obviously she, he tries to get to meet Woody Allen. When Woody Allen appears in the movie, he plays himself in real life. The director who is just wants to mind his own business. He just wants to do his thing. And he, man, he, the definition of phoning in. I'm looking at this guy like, why did you even do this? I mean, who did you? It's like when Robert Wiley pulls him to do all this stuff for him. I understand. He's a, he's a peer. He's a director. But who the hell... Who has something over Woody Allen to make him do this movie? Because he just phones it in. And it, honestly, it honestly, I was just surprised. I, I really was. And I'm not going to do a separate video on it. The movie itself is shot not very well. It's like a very, 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 very bad version of Play Against Sam in France with a female lead. It's just not interesting. I cannot recommend the movie. But I watched the movie. Woody Allen's in it. We're covering everything Woody Allen. The end. And I just couldn't let Simon... I've made Simon suffer through a lot of sidesteps. This is one of them. I could not. So, watch this movie at your own risk. To be honest with you, it's a perfect summary of 2012 being the year of disappointment for Woody Allen. Yeah. Or another example, how Woody Allen doesn't care about his own fame. Because When Night in Paris was the perfect vehicle for him to, you know, score some points, rebuild his fan base, do the, make the right moves career-wise but he doesn't care and to be fair to him i respect that because he doesn't need to he's been in the business for 50 years at this point he had he can do whatever he wants in terms of his films he gets a blank check like he said he prefers studios to be just a bank lending him money and he does the film nobody sees the script nobody knows who he's gonna cast that's it in terms of everybody else they watch these movies they watch uh you know, Paris Manhattan to Rome with Love. They're expecting the same caliber of film. One of them is a fan film where Woody just phones in a cameo. And the other one is actually a pretty good Woody filler movie. But if you're yeah. unfamiliar with his filmography, you're like, well, this is a step down. 
yeah, since we are doing the Woody Allen retrospective, every now and again, we have to talk about current events. And again, Woody Allen has found himself in the never-ending controversy because two of the actresses in this movie, Ellen Page and Greta, whatever, they've whatever. both... Well, first, Ellen Page came out at the end of 2017 says she regrets making a movie... And she was young and she was dumb. Now, first, let me call bullshit on this because... She ain't that young. <laughs> All right. She's not that young. Okay, she's not. She's in her 30s. When she when she made the movie, she was in her mid-20s, as far as I could say. Yo, she's older than... She was older than than I am now. That's not that young. I'll okay. tell you that. All I'm saying is, first, when she came out in 2017, late 20s, saying that I regret doing the movie, I never would have worked with the island. Now, my question to this is, Ellen Page never would have worked with Woody Allen in 2012 if she didn't know what? What she didn't already know? Is she acting like she didn't know Woody Allen's controversy before she didn't do the movie? So now, her jumping on Woody Allen now, it just seems to me like her jumping on the uh, bandwagon of obviously the women, the, the Hollywood woman, women scandal. That's fine. But to me, it's just low-hanging fruit. I mean, where's it coming from? And, and see, this is what I hate because these scandals, you know. I'm not finished, Simon. We've got to bring in the other person. So then, about what we're recording this in January 2018. And to my surprise, Ellen Page pay, played the uh, the friend who came, who was a seductress who Jesse Animal fell for. The other actress, playing Jesse Animal's girlfriend, Greta Fingy. Fucking hell. Now she's come out. Saying the same thing that she oh she regrets her Woody Allen for the same reason, again, what has changed? I mean, it was one thing it was Ellen Page. I just thought, okay, this bitch is just grabbing publicity. It's coming out of nowhere. But now you too, and I'm just like, it just seems like bandwagoning. It really does, and I know it's all head spearheaded by Dylan Farrell. Always put now she's pushing that. If why is it with the anime taking down? Why is it with the anime taking down after all this? Because it's not the same situation. It just isn't. And and they're jumping on their bandwagon. And, and to me, it's so far after the fact. It's just so blatantly obvious. They're just trying to take down. And everyone's on the crusade right now to take down people who did them wrong. Woody Allen supposedly messed the people in his own family. Woody Allen didn't go on a stretch with all these other women. So when people are trying to put Woody Allen in this box, it's not even the same box. And again, I don't believe Woody Allen is a pedophile anyway, but you're trying to push him in something that he doesn't even belong in. 10 years of, not even 20 years. This is very recent. The same decade. We're in the same decade. You did the movie with him and you're telling me you regret it when you already knew this shit and nothing's changed. By the time they did this movie, it was already a 20 years old scandal. And see, this is the type of attitude i hate because the actual victims and their actual cases and but the, all these scandals coming out that's very serious stuff and the people like donald trump they use the same argument all the time that it's just people trying to ride a bandwagon gain attention get his money go after him for personal reasons slander his name that's the thing all these people hide behind that is just uh is just lies either to gain money or game recognition or ride a bandwagon so when people come out with these ludicrous comparisons and really try to go after woody allen especially if you haven't been in a big movie in like i don't know how long yeah exactly <laughs> and, and you just come out and make some stupid claim like what about woody allen i regret it so much i mean he directed me well and did nothing and hasn't had a scandal in 20 years but let's focus all the attention on him in fact forget about harvey weinstein and bill cosby who raped and molested how many women too many to count no 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 forget about that let's focus on dylan farrow's daddy issues as he brings up the same fucking argument over and over again which is super ridiculous because either you're abusing your own sister's misfortune or you're abusing a lie, which is straight up being an asshole towards another person because you're slandering his name with false accusations. Take your fucking pick. You're a dickhead of your way. And it's stupid. It undermines actual legitimate cases of assault and makes it for the people who are actually in this very tough spot of coming out 
admitting something that's difficult to prove and something that's difficult to battle legally in the public eye and are going through that hell and you're undermining their case by turning it into this fucking bullshit, you know, slander, gossip column level nonsense. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to distance themselves from the parasite. Dylan Farrell is tweeting actors that worked with Woody Allen saying, how can you support him? And now people are just trying to preemptively, if I worked on Woody Allen, and these obviously, uh, Ellen Page and Greta, whatever, these two are not young, but obviously they're in their thirties and they're like, you know what? I did the Woody Allen movie. I think I should make sure people know I don't like him. I think I should just pull it out there that he's a monster. So they know for sure and it doesn't hurt my dwindling career. Now I hate to be fucking harsh and say that, but it just seems like a tactic to me. And I understand it, but Woody Allen doesn't give a fuck. And I don't think anyone's giving you points for distancing yourself away from Woody Allen because everybody knows the case is questionable. I'm telling you right now, if something would happen to Dylan Farrow's show, like for some reason it would get taken off the air. She has a show? Not Dylan Farrow, no, no, you no. mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about Dylan Farrow. If that motherfucker show would get taken off the air, not even a month later, he would be on Fox News talking about how President Trump is making the country better by opening up conversations about sexual assault and Ivanka is a true female icon. That motherfucker has no integrity. He would switch sides so fucking quick. In fact, I bet... Oh, you mean, don't mother. you mean Ronan Farrell, not Dylan? Dylan's the daughter. Ronan is the guy. That, that's what you're talking about, right? Ronan. Oh, Roland Farrell. What, uh, uh, fucking Frank Sinatra's son, okay? <laughs> so, so I was getting that confused guy. there. Yeah, I was getting confused there. Go on, yeah. Roland Farrell. Yeah, that guy has no integrity. In fact, I bet when the next election comes along, him and his mother are going to be spotted at a Trump fundraiser or something. Don't listen to these people. They're just they're just riding a wave trying to, yeah. you know, promote their own name. And the same thing with these two actresses. I don't know one of them. This is the only movie I can recall seeing her in. Yeah. And I just watched a movie. That's why. Yeah. Like literally half an hour ago. I had to look her up. And Ellen Page, very disappointed. I mean, yeah. I was a I was a fan of her. I thought she was a great young actress. Obviously, Inception. Great work there. Which she wasn't good in. I thought she was very mediocre <laughs> in. I know. I remember like, you know, this is how long I know you for. I, I remember when the movie came out and you said that was shit. <laughs> you know, like the following year or something. What was it? 2011. And I met you in, I met you in, no, that movie came out 2010. I met you in 2011. Yeah. And I remember you saying that you thought she sucked, which is fine. I enjoyed her in the movie, but she hasn't done much since. She did, did you enjoy like her in X-Men Apocalypse too? <laughs> another masterful role for her do you remember her in that do you even remember her in that movie no Ellen Page, oh she was in wait, the future. wait 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 she was in uh, Days of Future Past yeah, right yeah oh yeah my, I said the wrong movie you're right Days of Future Past correct yeah uh, whatever fan service that's why she was in that movie Um, and she did that mediocre video game too the one that was supposed oh, to be yeah, also two, revolutionary but it was us, just a uh, what was it two the half of two souls something two worlds something two souls it was yeah. supposed to be revolutionary but it was just like a point and click game like an adventure game where William Dafoe was her dad in that movie yeah yeah as yeah. Well? Yeah, yeah, yeah the game between itself, between but... two souls between two souls that was it yeah no it's beyond two souls beyond, but oh, <laughs> it was beyond my memory mind. beyond my recollection and uh, anyway, this ain't mediocre. That, that, that's what it was. Yeah, beyond me, mediocre. And again, this ain't an Ellen Page hate that. I'm just frustrated when people just do things for publicity, and it just seems it doesn't make any sense. I'm just more frustrated that why now? Oh, I know why now because everyone's on the fucking crusade. But is there any other reason? No. Did you feel passionate about it between the time you made the movie 2012 for the five years afterwards? No. But once this comes out, oh, now I regret coming out. Now that everyone anyway. People are already warning you. People that are smarter than you. Like, I watched the Dave Chappelle comedy specials on Netflix, and he's already talking about, like, yo, take your chips and cash out. Don't push it too far because it's going to backfire. If you're going to continue this crusade, the actual cases that are important to be solved, the actual people who are actual, you know, predators that need to be taken down, they will get away with it. And you're going to clusterfuck everything else up. You're just going to dilute the conversation. And then when people are not afraid anymore, when people feel like, oh, I got away with this shit, then it's just going to get worse. And that's exactly what's going to happen. 
you know, you think you're on a train now that you can just hop on board and preach like, I'm offended. I'm offended by everything. But I'm like, common sense people, use it. Mm. Go after the people that deserve it. Like, I don't know, the goddamn president who's on fucking tape bragging about sexual assault, bragging about walking in on children and dressing rooms because he's a fucking inspector at a beauty pageant. Yeah, today he just said something about Haitians being a fucking shitty country or something I just read uh, today. He, he said, why do we tolerate people coming over from shithole countries? <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. Too. Like, I love what the guy says because it's so fucking funny. I just wish he would be saying it from a insane asylum. <laughs> not, not, not a deceit of a world leader that can, you know, destroy <laughs> yeah. the whole world. Yeah. If they would have, if his kids would have put him in an old folks home and made it a reality show, and he would just like have these fucking golden moments where he's like, you know what I would do if I was president? I would build a wall so all these motherfuckers from these shithole countries couldn't come here. Fuck them. After that, you know, somebody comes on stage is like, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was the president of the United States. We will answer questions after this short interruption. So please prepare your questions and uh, I'll meet you down outside of the White House lawn. I'm telling you, <laughs> what, uh, let me tell you something. All, all the movie uh, movies of presidents, Donald Trump's are going to be fucking amazing. I hope I live long enough to see it. But we've veered off topic. Long enough, he shouldn't live long enough. Don't worry about us. He's 70. He's. It's time for him to fucking leave. The reason why I say that is because people are going to be fighting for the rights to make his movement. I don't blame him because he is... Every day, he makes material. You know, this motherfucker might have a HBO series. I don't think, I don't think there's enough... There's not. There's too much material for a movie. I'm going to have a trilogy, a HBO series, and now, officially, <laughs> I'm realizing that we're way past the scope of this discussion. This is I've officially our longest discussion, but it is what it is, people. I do apologize. If you got this far, thanks for listening. You know, um, another ironic thing about Woody Allen that you just mentioned about the lol... It's the next movie. He's going on another high. And I'm going to really enjoy talking about the next movie. So, guys, if you got this far in our near-hour discussion on two movies, social discussions about Woody Allen's controversies, Donald Trump, and whatever the fuck else, give us a <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> You're likely going to give us a thumbs down. Simon, thank you for joining me on this long-ass discussion, as always. Don't worry about it. And if you skip to the end, I'll give you a short summary of the discussion. Fuck everybody. <laughs> Guys, don't forget, we've got the Woody Allen retrospective. You can find all the other discussions. There's playlists. You've been, li you've been listening long enough. Get the Guys, go home. Enjoy yourself. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one.